everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. Thanks for being here with us this morning. Appreciate that. Uh, We have kind of an Ask Anything show this week, so if you do have those questions, please do give us a call and... um, Cammie will take those and get those to us, and we'll have Dr. Ellsworth address those. So you can give us a call at 605-692-1430. We have a couple questions here to get us started. Uh, First question, my son has two small bumps on his foot. How can I tell if they are warts or something different? Well, I haven't looked at our son's foot yet, Laura, (laughs) but... uh, uh, I'm guessing they're probably warts, just knowing him in, in, in his age <laughs> and everything. But uh, you know, if they've got a, uh, a, 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 if it, you know, a wart often has a like a cauliflower type head on it, as opposed to a smooth dome. Um, that would be one way that you could tell. Um, but certainly. Um, yeah, you know, it's something to uh, maybe get looked at, you know, especially if it's not going away. Um, you know, for an eight-year-old, it's less likely to be a skin cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it was a 80-year-old, probably more likely to be a skin cancer. Um, but there's other, all sorts of little, you know, for it, but, you know, for older people, you get these seborrheic keratoses, and they're just benign. Uh, I like to call them wisdom spots. And they, they kind of have a rough period appearance, like you could almost just like scratch it off, like pick at it and have it come off. Um, and they can be kind of a little colored or grayish in color, or brownish in color. Of course, there's moles too, and some moles are raised. And, you know, if, if, it's, if it's growing or changing or bothersome or a sore that won't heal or, 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 or larger than the end of the, uh, a pencil erasers, you know, all those things are something to get checked out. But as far as the wart on our kid's foot, that's probably a wart. Um, you know, I would probably recommend trying like a compound W or one of those over the counter treatments first, if you can catch it early enough and small enough, but otherwise sometimes, yeah, we'll treat it with liquid nitrogen called cryotherapy where we freeze it to help kill that wart. And sometimes then that's, uh, sometimes it takes a couple rounds of it, depending on how big it is to begin with. Sometimes just run round works, but that can help take care of it too. Now, if it's little bumps that are pretty itchy, sometimes that can be a type of um, what we call dishydrotic eczema. You know, and it, of course, eczema could be itchy, you know, when you know how that looks, kind of like dry skin or red or scaly or something. But, uh, um, uh, dishydrotic eczema is sometimes it, is this kind of reverse eczema, but still sometimes a cream can be helpful or a steroid cream help calm that down and help with the itch. But, uh, oh, there's all sorts of skin things. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. True confession. Son took off his sock the other day and he's like, 
I think I have warts. <laughs> and I looked and I was like, well, we'll see. They may just be blisters. So getting my husband's medical advice here while I have him captive audience right here right now. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the key for warts is persistence. If you let it go too long, they'll just keep getting bigger, which is harder to treat. And you can't just like once in a while try one thing and then later try another because the longer you wait, the bigger they can grow again. And then so then you're just kind of back to square one again. So so kind of doing a treatment persistently usually is what works the best. And good to catch it early before it becomes more painful to treat. Yeah, although the body can just clear it on its own. Really? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that happens too. And sometimes a lot of the treatments just help by kind of getting the body's attention to the wart so that the body helps kind of get rid of the wart, kind of causing a little irritation at that area, making the body say, oh, there's something going on here, and then getting rid of it. Okay, gotcha. All right, well, we'll be going to our first break shortly. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. The grass is growing, and that means it's time to mow. Please remember these safety measures to protect your health. Wear goggles, hearing protection, gloves, and long pants. Always wear sturdy closed-toed shoes while mowing the lawn. Do not drink alcohol or use other substances before or while using your lawnmower. Do not remove safety devices or guards on the mower and never insert hands or feet into the mower to remove grass or debris. Parents, teach these safety measures to your children. This safety tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We have time today for an Ask Anything show. Um, so whatever questions you may have, let us know. Uh, and we'll ask Dr. Ellsworth to address those. 692-1430. Another question for you, Dr. Ellsworth. My 80-year-old mother has been experiencing numbness and weakness in her hand for a couple of days. What should we do? Hmm. Well, you know, one thing I guess I would be concerned about is could it have been a stroke? Um, You know, and it sounds like if it's been going a couple of days and haven't done anything, you know, maybe it's more of a mild one, but it still doesn't mean it's not a stroke and couldn't get worse yet too. Um, and so that is definitely something to come get seen right away for, um, probably to the emergency room. Um, you know, I guess it's been several days. You could maybe go to the clinic, but there'd be a lot of tests we'd want to do that, uh, might be best to be done in th- through the hospital. Um, and like a CT scan to check to for to see if we see a see a stroke, um, and uh, and make sure the heart's not irregular that could be contributing to that, or if they need to be on a blood thinner, uh, and so on, um, and then and then to help get the therapy to get it better, you know, early intervention there, you know, especially if it just started happening, you know, anytime you have weakness on one side of the body that start suddenly or trouble speaking or slurred speech or um, uh, numbness, tingling, weakness um, that comes on suddenly, uh, you'd be worried about a stroke. And and, and there's treatments that can be done right away now for that 
that can help reverse that and so getting that looked at right away can be can be really helpful now granted you know numbness and weakness in your hands i mean you know it could be carpal tunnel especially if it's kind of just slowly been gradually getting worse or sometimes and then you just kind of shake it out you wake up with it and you shake it out and it pr- primarily involves the thumb and the uh second and third digits there the the pointer finger and the middle finger um though the and, and and sometimes that pain will radiate up the arm a little bit too from carpal tunnel um and so that could be carpal tunnel syndrome uh you know numbness weakness in the hands maybe both maybe one one side maybe one a little worse than the other can happen from repetitive use we see it uh here with with some of our employers in town some of their employees that are doing repetitive jobs with their hands or um or other workers or if you did a project over the weekend you know that can happen um a wrist brace can be helpful for that uh that helps keep it straight and that's something you can just get over the counter at walmart or wherever uh and just put it on on the wrist and put the elastic strap around and and that can help keep it straight because sometimes um the bending is was what makes it worse because it it's compressing the nerve at the wrist so that the and so that the nerve kind of loses loses some effectiveness there and gets that numbness and tingling and pain and uh um and so um the the wrist brace can help keep it straight NSAIDs like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications like ibuprofen or naproxen or Aleve could be helpful. Um, and uh, sometimes uh, we'll do um, an injection uh, to help relieve the inflammation. And sometimes they'll do surgery where they kind of release that carpal tunnel to kind of open it up. The sheath, this carpal tunnel sheath in the wrist, kind of open that up to relieve the pressure and then it feels great again. And that's a pretty minor surgery. And that's something we can do right here in Brookings too. We've got our uh, two orthopedic physicians that can do it there. So most any orthopedic doctor should be able to do that for you. If you you do that, then do you usually have relief indefinitely or does it come back? Do you have to do some physical therapy? Sometimes it can come back. Usually don't even end up needing to do physical therapy. I mean, still good to do stuff with your hands, but, uh, um, uh, it uh, that usually takes care of it for quite a while, but there's sometimes where people end up needing a revision later sometime. Okay, all right, thank you. Could you give us an update on what is happening with COVID testing here at the Brookings Clinic? Yeah, we're still doing the tests. We still do that curbside testing. Mm-hmm. Um, people get tested if they um, ha- are going to have surgery. People get tested if they have any symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, such as fever, sore throat, shortness of breath, cough, uh, even diarrhea, and um, loss of sense of uh, taste or smell are some of the symptoms that uh, that we're considering there. And, uh, you know, if you've been in contact with someone with COVID-19 is a consideration uh, or, you know, if you're of higher risk medical conditions, that's a consideration. Um, or your travel history is a consideration. So, but basically at this point, if you have symptoms, you know, we still aren't testing everyone. Okay. And just because you maybe had some contact with someone does, or and or a friend of a friend, I mean, that doesn't mean we're going to 
test that in order. But so then it might still be though that you may need to be in quarantine or, or be extra careful. Um, because we, unfortunately, you know, thankfully we have a test that we're doing more and more, but we're still not unlimited. Okay. Um, and you know, a, a negative test today doesn't guarantee that you couldn't get sick tomorrow either. So, mm-hmm. so if you just had a recent contact and you're negative right now, well, that doesn't mean you're good to go. I mean, you could still get sick in the next two weeks. So, so if uh, you've had, um, contact with someone with COVID, um, and you start, you may not, it may not show immediately yeah it for takes, up to two weeks yeah e- even in the test so right okay right. i understood that your symptoms might not show for up to two weeks but even your it, test right result, I, I would imagine yeah yeah it could take longer okay yeah yep. all right and then the antibody tests we're doing as well now to for signs of infection in the past and uh, that test actually is pretty darn good after about two weeks worth uh in the zero to seven days of after exposure after when you first get it, it's, it the antibodies are m- much lower, and so the okay. test isn't as helpful. Uh, in that seven to fourteen days after exposure, getting it, um, it's uh, I want to say in the low nineties or so, and then but it's pretty much ninety nine hundred percent after those those fourteen and twenty one day period after exposure for now we don't know how long lasting that antibodies are those antibodies are okay and how for sure protective they are from a reinfection that's still something we're still trying to figure out for sure but um but if you want antibody testing you're pretty sure you were sick at some point and you, or that you might have had it and you and you want to know uh, it's not going to show you tell us current infection but it could tell us past infection but it doesn't guarantee protection um it, that's $80 and you can just call the clinic and, and get the test. Okay. And how, so you say at least, you know, 14 days or longer afterwards, um, is a good time to good result. What, how, how long does that go for? Yeah. See, we like, don't know. Okay. Yeah. So Cause they, if you anybody, do the test like two months later, three months after you've been sick. Yeah. I would hope that they're still there, okay. but it's not a, you know, it's just like, they we're still learning all the time and this virus there's no guarantee it couldn't change or mutate some okay where then now maybe the your protection is no good anymore and sometimes our antibodies don't last forever or kind of wane kind of decrease over time too okay so we're still kind of learning some of that right okay um which is why we're still recommending social distancing and masking uh you know, I think that, you know, people should do the things they need to do and want to do, but be mindful mm-hmm. of the distance between each other and be mindful of maybe the situation I should wear a mask, you know, is it the grocery store? Boy, there's so many people there, all different places, touching all different things. Probably a good idea to wear a mask there still, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so if you're at home, I'm not going to wear a mask in my own home with my family. No, right. you know, but uh, uh and if I'm talking to a neighbor and we're a good distance apart, I'm not going to wear a mask. But I'm wearing a mask and a face shield, of course, in the clinic with everyone I see. And uh, when I go into some stores, I'm certainly putting a mask on. So it, uh, it, it, it's, it's, you know, our risk right now is probably as high as it's been yet 
because mm-hmm. there's cases around and there's some cases in Brookings. And so, whereas in March, there weren't any cases in Brookings, mm-hmm. uh, at least uh, not early March. I can't remember when the, our first case was offhand, but, mm-hmm. uh, um, and so the risk was much lower then when we were, now granted there was a lot unknown and we weren't sure and we did a great job slowing it and stop, you know, but it it is around yet and the risk isn't zero. So, mm-hmm. um, and so I would still be mindful of, of those so. precautions. Definitely wear the mask still to protect yourself and protect others. Yep, right? exactly. Yeah, the main thing more important is protecting others with that mask. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Our programs are available on Apple Podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Being alone or with very limited social interactions during the pandemic can be difficult. With some effort on your part, there are some ways to decrease the effects of isolation. Keep a schedule. Stay active. Do something meaningful like working on your genealogy or organizing photo albums. Connect with others by letter, email, phone, Zoom, or try online games. Find comfort in old movies or lighting a candle and having a cup of tea. These are just a few ideas to get you thinking. You can do this. If you find your loneliness getting out of hand with feelings of depression, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We have kind of an Ask Anything show happening today, so if you have those medical questions, let us know. Um, We've covered a few different topics already. Um, We have a question about if a woman is pregnant and has covid um, is there a risk to the baby? Well, there is there's some risk to the baby. You know, thankfully, babies and children are seem to be much lower risk of complications from COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but pregnancy does increase your risk. Um, and so there's the risk to the mom herself anyway. Um, there, there have been uh, babies born to mothers with COVID-19. Uh, and... Um, uh, and 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 we aren't seeing that the babies are born then automatically with COVID, thankfully. So it doesn't seem to cross the placenta there. Um, but they can still get infected after they're born. Now, we still encourage, uh, there's debate whether or not they, we encourage breastfeeding still. Um, there, there's some, some places where like, oh, should we separate them r- right, right away then or not? And boy, that's a tough that's a tough call to make there. Um, and so usually we're just being mindful, you know, wanting to encourage breastfeeding, but maybe, uh, maybe wearing a mask with breastfeeding your baby to help, mm-hmm. um, not spread to the baby there. And so, um, the, uh, those are some considerations that have to be made and, and, and everything. And, and there, we're taking all the precautions, uh, at our OB area and all mothers get tested. Uh, and uh, visitors are limited there, and um, 
it, it, and it can be hard. It can be really hard separating some of these families with, at the time of a baby being born. Boy, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, it's such unusual times to have to navigate all this. And when you have a stressful situation like that, too, and you want to have all that support, that's hard. You know, we just had a college friend who had a baby, and um, they decided it'd be best to have dad not present because he has some health risks. So that's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. So we all got to do our best to take care of this coronavirus so we can get back to normal life, right? And I saw other people say that if they could wear a mask in labor for 24 or 48 hours, uh, you could probably wear a mask for a few minutes in the store. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. Good point. Good point. All right. Uh, We did have a couple other questions come in. Dr. Ellsworth, what are your thoughts on a seven-month-old that doesn't want to sleep, takes very short naps, and keeps parents up at night? Oh, man. (laughs) Shoot. Yeah, we've been there, but (laughs) thankfully not anymore. Well, except one child keeps us up at night. Yeah, She just doesn't go to bed. She doesn't go to bed. (laughs) But then when she does, we're okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, a seven-month-old... Um, you know, so I, thankfully, hopefully they've, uh, started solids, not that, that they're tired. It sounds like, um, at night it could be habitual. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're feed, if they're feeding at night several times yet, that's usually not necessary any, anymore at seven months of age. Um, so it might be more of a habit. Um, for some kids, the cry out method, cry it out method works. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that with our first son. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it took like one or two nights and then he was good to go. Mm-hmm. But it was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't work with every kid. Right. It's certainly worth a try, I think. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're not caring for them. Sometimes it's, you know, it, but it helping them. Um, this age is a good age group to give them maybe a, the same small blanket every night or the same small stuffed animal every night. Um, that helps become this soothing object to them. So if they wake up in the middle of the night and they see their blanket, they grab it or they look at it or something, and then and maybe they feel a little calmed and then um, fall back asleep again. Um, you know, if you are planning on doing cry it out and you give it 15 minutes and then you go in there, you're kind of just teaching them that, oh, I just need to keep crying and then mom and dad will come. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have to stick to your guns there a little bit, as long as you know they're in a safe place mm-hmm. and that there's nothing wrong, um, you know. Um, and, and so that doesn't mean you can't peek in at them, although that could backfire too. But you want to make sure, or or maybe you have a monitor and you know they're safe um, or something. But uh, but that, like I said, that works with some kids. Some kids it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't recommend then every time taking them in and putting them in your bed with you. Um, that's how you end up with a five-year-old that still won't sleep on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it, it, you know, can they sleep in the same room as a sibling? Sometimes that's been helpful for mm. some. Okay. Um, it, it, you think, oh boy, now my, then the sibling couldn't sleep, but just having the presence of someone else there can be helpful. Now, some, it, if it's, if it's seven month old's been in your bassinet or in your crib in your same bedroom as the parents the whole time. Sometimes they both sleep better once they separate into a different room. Okay. Because um, otherwise they're just kind of waking each other up several times at night. So if they're in the same room, maybe it's time to switch to a different room. And that might be helpful. Um, having a routine schedule every night 
um, and you know, take not uh, watching TV or ha- showing them a video or whatever else. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but you know, having where you yeah, maybe have a a, a a bottle of milk and 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 if they have teeth, maybe brush their teeth and then and maybe read them a story and then then go go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it doesn't need to be where you hold them to sleep. Maybe you lay them down awake in their crib and that helps teach them to fall asleep on their own too. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's a lot of things to try. Yes. Nothing's perfect. Some kids are just the way they're going to be, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. but, uh, but good luck. Yes. Is this a time too where teething might be playing it? Right. right? Where maybe sure. if someone has been sleeping now. Oh yeah. Good point. Teething can change everything yep yep for sure you know and so maybe a little tylenol at bedtime might be helpful there or you know it in a a, a chew toy or not chew toy but (laughs) a teething ring (laughs) something and you could put that in the refrigerator uh Mm -hmm. to help it be a little cool a little more soothing that Mm -hmm. way but yeah certainly when kids get sick or teething then you go through periods where they'll be waking up more and uh, it doesn't hurt to give them a little love then too either uh, but sometimes that then resets the resets the habit Enjoy. sometimes too. Yeah. yeah, it's such a struggle to figure that out, and um, yeah. especially when everyone is tired, that's that's hard. So. And with the naps, they mentioned how they take very short naps. Um, you know, switching up the nap schedule as best you can. Maybe trying to push a little longer might be helpful too. Otherwise, mm-hmm. okay, very good. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break, and we'll be back after this message from Avera Medical Group Brookings. Be aware, with warmer weather, you may find ticks. Ticks live in grassy, bushy, or wooded areas. Spending time outside walking your dog, camping, gardening, or hunting can bring you in close contact with ticks. To prevent ticks from attaching, treat your clothes and gear with products containing 0.5% permethrin. Permethrin can be used to treat boots, clothing, and camping gear and remains protective through several washings. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to discuss your medical questions. And we've been addressing some of those today. Thank you so much for giving us a call with your questions. We have another caller that... um, says they've been experiencing bladder incontinence for over a year now. They had a bladder tuck done about eight years ago. Why is this happening again? Does the procedure need to be done again? Or are there tests to see why? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I guess with that one, I think it would be best to go back to their surgeon or uh, see another urological surgeon or gynecological surgeon to see see if it needs to be revised or what's going on there. Um, you know, if they didn't have a history of surgery, um, well, then it could be where they might need surgery then. But sure. uh, um, sometimes, they, you know, depending if it's how mild it is, sometimes working on those Kegel exercises where you're kind of tightening your pelvic muscles, pelvic floor muscles can be helpful. And, and we can even do physical therapy sometimes to help help you help us train those muscles to do it effectively to be more helpful certainly cutting down on caffeine can be helpful um and and if we're drinking too much liquids you know at various times it's good to drink plenty of water but uh 
Um, and sometimes people have an overactive bladder and medication can be helpful. Um, but uh, uh, with this situation, it sounds like that it might be good to go back and see the person that did their surgery or see someone else. And there's, there's a lot of nice options for that. And talk to your doctor about maybe who they'd recommend for it then if you're not sure who to see. Okay, excellent. So there, I think it's just important to remember if you are experiencing some incontinence, there's some options for you. Right. And you don't need to suffer through. Right. Check it out, see what options you have. Right, if the doctor says it's just the way it's going to be, don't feel bad getting a second opinion. Sure. Sounds good. All right. Well, we did have another question come in. I'm sure this is from one of our mothers. They said, how many years have you been married? So, yes, tomorrow we celebrate 15 years of wedded bliss. Happy right? anniversary, <laughs> Happy anniversary. And thanks to probably our moms for bringing that up. Thank you. Um, and thanks for your love and support, moms. So we appreciate that. Thanks, moms. Yes, exactly. Well, before we go, I did want to mention a couple things. Um, there's a lovely essay from Dr. Jill Cruz um, this week that you can find in Monday's Brookings Register or many of our local newspapers throughout South Dakota and the region. Or you can find it online at our Prairie Doc website. Um, Dr. Cruz gives us a great reminder to think about our own health and um, how that helps us help others. One of the best essays we've had for a while. It's a really it's great one. essay. So yeah. go find that on the Prairie Doc website. Uh, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This Thursday, July 2nd, is an encore show covering an assortment of healthcare issues with Prairie Doc host Rick Holm and guest physicians Dr. Kevin Weiland from Rapid City Medical Center and Dr. Joy Falkenberg from Regional Health Medical Clinic Custer. I know it's a great um, show that you can watch again this week. So tune in for that tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on SDPB. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for The Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth for joining us today. As Dr. Holm would say, Stay healthy out there, people.